Hey, it's Garbage Brain University. I'm Drew Toothpaste. I'm Natalie D. Today we're talking advertising. Oh God, I love advertising. I love it. You know what I love? I like to see it, buy it. See it, buy it. See it, buy it. It works every time. Show it to me. I will buy it. <laughs> what I like to do is see something where if they don't advertise, it just doesn't seem like the company stands behind it. If they do advertise it, I take it. That's me. That's my personality. You know now. it's good if there's an ad. Exactly. They wouldn't have spent money on it if they couldn't stand behind their product. All the people in the advertising using the product, they're all smiling, so it has to be good. Dude, they're having so much fun. Right. Right. FOMO. <laughs> so before we get to the next 90 minutes of me talking about how much I love to look at ads and make the product be my personality that I have, right. Natalie. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What is advertising? Advertising is a marketing communication that employs an openly sponsored, non-personal message to promote or sell a product, service, or idea. Sponsors of advertising are typically businesses wishing to promote their product or services. And advertising is differentiated from public relations in that an advertiser pays for and has control over the message. Okay. So... And then, like, I guess public relations would be, like, you responding to what people are saying about you. buddy of mine works in PR, has a PR firm, and I, I'm not 100% on it. I'm really bad at business. Right. Well, I think that my understanding is PR is, like, if, like, you're advertising Coca-Cola and then you accidentally put the N-word in the ad and then everyone gets mad at you. <laughs> And then you have to hire someone to be like, listen, Coca-Cola did not mean to say the N-word. It was just, they were trying to say something else and they just misspoke. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, it's okay. Give me a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's PR. But advertising would be like, have a Coke. We're never going to say the N-word. And then a bunch yeah. of people saying, never say it. Have a Coke. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a great. That would be a great advertisement. Because, <laughs> you know, whenever you're sipping that brown liquid, <laughs> that you're never going to have that that awkward moment yeah. where somebody says a terrible racial slur. Right, right. When I'm sipping Coke, I'm never saying racial slurs. That's. I mean, ever. they should pay us. We're going to stop saying the C word because... <laughs> I only say the C word when I'm being racist against Australians. <laughs> I was talking about Coca-Cola. Oh, I was talking about cunt. <laughs> you know, advertising has always offended me on a deep level. And I, I, I really, I don't like the word offend. Because when people use the word offend or offensive, they don't use it in the way that the word is defined. Which, I mean, they change the meaning of the word. I suppose that's what it is because English is a living language. Right. It's descriptive. It's right. not prescriptive. Right. So the word offensive doesn't mean that, but it offends my soul that I cannot do what I want without people coming into my home and telling me what to buy. If you had any idea who you were talking to, right. you would not tell me to buy this. You would not tell me to put a roof on my house. The only time I'm putting a roof on my house is if my roof breaks. And then I'm going to call three people and I'm going to pick one more or less at random. And then they're going to do my roof. Right. You have no need to televise to me about it. 
uh, what is the worst to me is the people who knock on the damn door. I am not in the market. If I was in the market for windows, I would shop around. I would find the best window installer in town because I know that if I'm going to get new windows in the house, I'm going to do it once before I'm dead. And it's not going to be me deciding to get windows because some rando knocked on the door and made me stop working and go to the door and he's like, hey, how about getting some new windows? And I'll be like, oh yeah, sure, go for it. Here's $20,000. <laughs> That's never going to happen. I don't understand why they think it's going to happen. Who does that? All your neighbors are getting new windows. Bullshit. <laughs> There's like eight houses on this street and I can see none of these motherfuckers are getting new windows. Get the fuck off my porch. <laughs> the the tree care, what'll happen? We have a few trees in the front yard and people knock on the door and then they're like, hey, I'm with Jim Dingleson's tree service. This tree over here, he could use a real trim. And then I'm like, I'm good, man. Bye. And I close the door. The tree thing I can see because they can look at the tree and it's plausible that they could look at the tree. But I really don't think that unless they really walk around the house and you would notice if they were in the backyard. Oh, get in my backyard. I dare you. You're going to have to you're going to have to find a way out if you get in my backyard. <laughs> it's going to be like a Saw movie. <laughs> you want to play a game, Tree Care Guy? <laughs> You think you would go full jigsaw? No, what I would do is be like, Andy, there's a guy in the yard. What's he doing? You'd be like, I don't know. Looks like he's gone now. I'm like, all right, whatever. That's what probably would happen. Yeah. But I would cuss at him now. It's a, it's a <laughs> newer, kinder jigsaw. Yeah, right. If you, if you want to leave this room, you're going to have to do it in about the next 90 seconds. Right, right. You just, you better go, man. I'm going to chase you with a stick. <laughs> I'm going to open my door and I'm going to be like, hey, what's going on back here? Why are you in my yard? Why are you in my yard, dog? You need to get the fuck out. <laughs> I remember <laughs> they weren't people who were trying to sell me anything, although I'm sure they would have sold me something if I really wanted to. But when I was younger, I used to always have crackheads who were in my hallway. Yeah, you did. And yeah. I'd be sitting there in my house trying to relax to a nice episode of Syphil and Ollie or whatever the fuck I watched back then, and I would start smelling crack. Yeah. It has a scent to it, doesn't it? Uh-huh. I can, it has a very particular smell to it. And you you can you can uh, co-sign on the fact that I would smell that crack and be like, oh, hell no. I'd fly out that front door and I'd start fucking cussing at him. Well, so <laughs> Natalie used to live on the second floor and it was like uh, this little hallway and a staircase, right? And then like the, their door was at the top. And so it was like a commercial street and so people would kind of like hide in the entrance to the apartment. It was just like a little alcove. And I mean, you, I, I understand if you're smoking crack, especially if you're homeless, you can't just do it walking down the street, right? I mean, you kind of got to huddle up. I, I, I assume you have like a whole little apparatus you got to put together and you got to do it a special way sure. and stuff. It's not just like lighting up a, a joint walking down the street in Toronto like the average person, right? Uh-huh. But uh, one of the first times I was at Natalie's place, uh, I I kind of heard something, and I didn't even think of anything of it. Because, I mean, we live in the city. And she's like, oh, those fucking crackheads are back. And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, they're out there in the hallway. And I was like, 
oh, what are you going to do? She opens the door and she goes, you guys better get the fuck out of here. I've already called the cops. They're right down the street. You got to pick your shit up and go right fucking now. And I turn and, and she's leaning out in the hallway. And so... It's like five seconds later, I realized that she has just bellowed in full voice at apparently a group uh-huh. of crackheads. Like three or four of them. And I <laughs> crane my head out in the hall and look over her shoulder and I see the last one leave. Uh-huh. I, di- I didn't call the cops. I won't go. I will preface this. I did not. No, call- I never no, called the cops. No, she just opened the door and she's like, the cops are coming. Get the fuck out. Because I learned the best technique was to be like, I called the cops five minutes ago. They're already almost here. Y'all need to get the fuck out my fucking hallway right fucking now. I have no fucking time for this. I don't need to be smelling crack in my apartment. <laughs> Y'all motherfuckers fucking do it underneath the fucking fire escape out back. I don't give a shit. You make my apartment smell like crack. <laughs> that's when you knew that your lady was real yeah <laughs> she, absolutely she took no shit <laughs> absolutely it was me versus four crackheads and you know who won that one it was me until they came back the next day <laughs> uh, man you, that's one thing you don't have to advertise is crack yeah boy anything good doesn't need an ad <laughs> And that's just the thing. That's why the that's why the advertising is so ridiculous. Why would you ever? I mean, I guess it works, but why would you ever advertise liquor? I mean, I guess you advertise the the more fancy liquor, and then people are like, "Oh, this is a lifestyle item. I aspire to this." They never fucking advertise Kamchatka. They never fucking advertise Old Granddad. Oh, now there's something that sells itself. Kamchatka vodka. Isn't that the 20% one? Uh, I don't think it's 20%. It's is... enough percent. That's what I used to drink. That used to be my default drink when I was like 19. Well, at least until recent. Well, I think it's still true in Ohio. You can sell liquor in a grocery, but it can only be up to 40 proof, which is 20% alcohol. So you get like watered down whiskey. Right. In the grocery store. Right. And you have to actually go to a liquor store to get the real stuff. But we used to go to the liquor store, though, and get liquor, too, because there was a couple on the street. Yeah. But it was that... Old Granddad. It was Soko. It was uh, Kamchatka. Well, that's, I, see, that's an advantage of living on campus. See, there's advantages and disadvantages. We had a good time living on campus for a while. And then just all the people wandering around, it was too much. Right. I'm, not, I'm not a people person. <laughs> I think... You know, and and I have I have full understanding. I'm not I'm not punching down in any way. It's just if you have the means to get out of a situation, you want to get out of sure, it, right? Sure. I just got to the point where I I would leave my house and there would be a guy and he would ask me for a cigarette every day and I'm like, man, it's been like 18 days you've been on my stoop asking me for cigarettes. I don't have them. I man. still don't smoke. For me, it was like the fourth time I came out to go to work and every single car door on my car was hanging open. Like, you know what? I leave my car doors unlocked because I know y'all are going to break in my car regardless. And so I I don't leave anything in my car, but I leave the car doors unlocked so you're not going to break my windows. Right? Yeah. There's nothing in my car. At least, like, fucking cut me a break and close the doors. So that when I come out in the fucking 6.30 in the morning to drive to my fucking job, all the seats in my car aren't wet. 
It was like the fourth time that happened. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go. We gotta get out of here, buddy. Uh, so, you know what? The, that side of town was also covered in advertising. Like, uh, billboards and advertising all over the place. And advertising is fucking everywhere, right? And they make ads to generate increased consumption of products and services. And to create branding. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess so. I just always think... My thing is, like, I, there's, like, a limit to how much money you're going to get, right? Right. Like, if somebody is buying shit based on what they see in ads, they probably are, like, spending all their money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I Advertising is expensive. I, well, I mean, so what, what I'm getting at is if somebody is wandering around in the world and they see pictures of stuff and they're like, I should buy milk. <laughs> oh, milk. I, I should buy a grilled sandwich. Like, yeah, just walking around and buying everything they see. I heard of this new place called McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> they said I'm loving it. <laughs> it seems it seems so crazy. The amount that companies have spent to advertise to me has surely been more than I've ever spent in any of their businesses. Right. Right? I mean, there's no way they've generated a net positive from me. All of my th- all of my things that I buy the very most, all of the places where I eat out at the most, they all, all places that I've never really seen advertised. Like, my favorite Chinese restaurant, I've never seen them advertised anywhere. No. I just I just started going there because my previous favorite Chinese restaurant closed down and they moved in. <laughs> no advertising needed. They're operating in the same space and... You were like, oh, yeah? You took over Mr. Pot, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, we'll see if you're better than Mr. Pot. And then, like, a couple hours later, you were like, damn, that's better than Mr. Pot. <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to go here instead of Mr. Pot. Yeah, well, the new place is called Chili Spot, and I almost wonder if they didn't call themselves Chili Spot so they could use the P.O.T. on the sign without having to make a totally new sign. <laughs> yeah, one of my one of my favorite spots in town i haven't been since the pandemic uh haven't been much of anywhere in the past 18 months but uh it's an ice cream restaurant it's called diamonds and the reason it's called diamonds is because there was like a gem store like a jewelry whatever store there and it had an awning going all around the side that said diamonds and then it had a diamond on it and then it said diamonds and it had a diamond on it like back and forth, over and over, all around the outside. So they're just like, okay, Diamond's ice cream. I thought it was a strip club. Was it a strip club? I think it was a strip club called Diamond's, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> because well, I it's right just... next to the other strip clubs. It is. It's right ne- It's. I think it's right next to two strip uh-huh. clubs. Yeah, it used to be the, the spot for strip clubs, and then the ones, Diamond's, closed down, and then they turned it into Diamond's ice cream. You got it. <laughs> That is like a little community there. Like they have Chinatown in some towns. Mm-hmm. It's like strip town. Right, right. <laughs> Just Columbus is not big enough or gentlemanly enough to support three strip clubs in the same strip mall. Right. Well, you kind of have to, you need to hop from strip club to strip club because maybe like one of them, you're like, oh, those ladies are my type. Maybe the next one you're like, oh, the ladies are pretty hot, but uh, the, the tunes that are thumping, it's not really my jam. Then you go yeah. to the third one and you're like, this, oh. one's got, this one's got the tunes and it's got the ladies. Oh, so it's like a Goldilocks situation. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> 
I assume I've never gone to a strip club. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll go there for GBU prom at the strip club. We'll take a bunch of com- very inside computer people out to the strip club. <laughs> We're all seeing titties tonight, guys. <laughs> you have a look on your face like you're so. <laughs> I, I love to meet new people, yeah, I and I was just talking with some friends of mine the other day. There was a viral post that went around, and it was like, it was like, do not go around meeting up with people on the internet. You don't know the IRL me, and I don't know the IRL you. Don't meet people from the internet. It's just really weird. And I was like, I, I <laughs> for over half of my life, I've been going around meeting people that I talk to on the internet, it has basically always been fine. Right, right. I mean, when you only work on the internet for 20 years, there are very, very limited opportunities for you to meet people. And so if you are not making friends online, then good luck. Who are you going to be friends with? The bagger at the grocery store? I've I've tried. They... They don't want to talk to me because I'm the weird lady in town. No, they don't want to talk to me. You have to I'm find... like Morticia Adams of Upper Arlington. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, here she comes. <laughs> you, you have to find your people where you're going to find them. Right. I have a lovely time talking to people online. I have a lovely time meeting people that I've talked to online. Are people different in real life than how they are online? I'll tell you, honestly, most of the people I meet are not very much different. Although I would say almost everybody I meet, I expect them to act a certain way and they are like more friendly and more kind in real life because I think the default mode of communication is maybe a little curt and maybe a little sarcastic right. or something online. And so you meet people and you really have a lovely experience. Right. So, but the just the thing is there's too much music and there's too much like all the titties and like there's got to be flashing lights and I think many of us would just be overstimulated. Right. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I think like getting the strobe light and stuff uh, you already just, live in the house with the finest titties in Ohio. Yeah, I, yeah, that's You're why. You're not going to see any better boobs outside of your house. I, yeah, that's why I don't bother. <laughs> that's me. Best boobs in Ohio. Hands down. Naturals. Natural jugs. That's what I, that's what I bring to the table. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I need to advertise. Well, unlike advertising, this is not a visual medium. <laughs> Well, I mean, I you could have like a radio advertisement for a strip club. <laughs> hey, gentlemen! <laughs> hey, dudes! Come on down to Boob Town. We got the best boobs in town, and also we have a special chicken finger platter from four to six p.m. Fifty percent off. Come down, have some chicky fangs. And three boobs for the price of two. <laughs> Come on down, have a chicky fang platter, and check out three boobs. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see those three boobs, and you're going to wish you saw six boobs. <laughs> Come on down. It's time to double down at boob town. <laughs> Five so boobs. So this is the thing, is that advertising is so pervasive mm-hmm. that making up fake products and creating fake ad collateral for them is is funny, and it feels very familiar to everybody. Right. I like making fake ads. It's fun. Yeah. It is very funny because it is a direct response to just how pervasive it is. 
And everybody wishes they could fucking be in control. In where I grew up in Cincinnati, there was an RV dealership and it was called Tom Raper RV, which is not a great name. Yeah. I would have changed my name. Yeah, I would have put an I in there. Tom Rapier. I would have literally called myself anything else. Right. <laughs> it's not rapist. It would be worse. <laughs> you know, I just feel like Tom Robinson. Just what a nice name. Yeah. The Beatles liked his mom. <laughs> He's got so many nice associations right. with that name. Right. I just, Tom Robbs. I go down there, I get myself a bounder. <laughs> a bounder? Is that what they're called? One of those Breaking Bad RVs, yeah. Right? We ought to get an RV, then maybe we go on vacation once in a while. We can go on vacation now. Could we? Yeah, with the, yeah, with the RV, we could just drive and drive and just go to an isolated area <laughs> and cook a bunch of hot dogs and come home. Right. I mean, if that's a vacation, then we could do that. Right. Are we allowed having RVs in our yard or in our, in our driveway? I don't think we're allowed to in our neighborhood. Uh, oh, you totally are. Well, some of our neighbors have them. I guess it's just a matter of if people see them and get mad. People will have them. They'll have an RV in their driveway, and it'll be like their RV relative will stay there for an extended time, maybe. Or it's their RV. I have no idea. I guess I should ask. I think we're not allowed having RVs in our driveway for more than a day. We have a lot of stupid rules in our town. I would be... I would be interested to find out what the RV law is. Well, I don't think I would really want to get an enormous... I think driving one of those around would be awful. And then I'd feel like I was about to pull a Metallica on my family the whole time. <laughs> or like the long trailer. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's from a long time. Yeah. That's a much longer ago reference than Metallica's van accident. <laughs> I thought I was dating myself and you're like... I just have a very like encyclopedic set of pop cultural references. Like, I'll hit all of them. <laughs> so, what I want to know: huh. Where did this whole God, yeah, crazy train start? Now, to me, beginning of time. Advertising. Who invented advertising? Egyptians. Egyptians did. Yeah. Yeah. So they had papyrus, which was their, they loved it. They're like, oh, we're Egyptians. We love papyrus. We love the kind of papyrus that you write on. We love the font. Yeah. Yeah. They invited, they, they invented that font. <laughs> well, hold up. So uh, Egyptians were making advertisements. Were Do you think they were putting hieroglyphics and they would post up a poster and it would just be a bunch of hieroglyphics and it's like, sandal sale right i mean obviously it would be hieroglyphics because that was what they wrote in yeah i i mean i totally believe it it's just really funny to me to think about like hawk two fronds of wheat and like jackal-headed human well i think as you know what lately i've been like part of my weird woo-woo shit i do entails me like learning ancient hebrew and what i think is my favorite thing about it is that all of the individual hebrew letters have meanings like Aleph means ox and like Resh means like the side of your head. Yeah. But if you look then back to like Proto-Hebrew, it was like loosely based off of hieroglyphics. And so the higher, the letter Aleph used to be like a picture of a little cow head. Yeah. And and like the letter for Resh used to be like a picture of like a profile of a guy. And I love it. And so it's like I know a teeny tiny bit of hier hieroglyphics now. I look 
tiny little bit of hieroglyphics now. It makes that's, me feel very like I, f- I feel like Indiana Jones. That's <laughs> really sweet though. Yeah, I like that's it. That's really I'm sweet. Into it. And it's like typography. Typography has always been my bag. Like I always really. When I was, like, in middle school, I took classes to learn how to do hand lettering, like, because this was before people were doing, like, Photoshop and stuff, and so they they were like, oh, you're going to be a graphics designer, huh? You better learn how to draw letters. <laughs> and so I learned how to, like, draw, like, plain block letters and serif letters, and then as I got older, I started doing, like, different kinds of calligraphy and black letter and this and that and so now now i'm getting like into the fucking weirdo shit now i'm like i'm fucking i'm moving into hebrew and hieroglyphics yeah well i mean you can move real quick through those speedball calligraphy books and you keep needing a a stronger and stronger hit to get you going right i really do like i was like you know texture quadrata just isn't itching me anymore (laughs) like (laughs) I did that. I even fucking taught myself how to like do hand lettering that looks like typewriter. Yeah, with yeah. Those fucking with those fucking parallel pens, man. But like now, I'm gonna get into hieroglyphics. I'm gonna fig- I'm gonna start writing some shit out in hieroglyphics. You're not gonna I'm know not what the hell's gonna, going uh, on. No, I'm not gonna know what it is. It's actually gonna be worse for communication. <laughs> it's gonna be the worst form of communication you could teach yourself, unless I try to like do like Sumerian. That one, that shit's impossible to parse. Yeah. Uh, the Sumerians seem to handle it. Maybe you're. Maybe you just need to study it it's a just bit like, more. They had like a little. It's like they had like a little stick that, like a little straight stick, and they would just poke it in the clay in different angles and make like little shapes yeah. with it. Yeah, it's still dope. I fucking love to see it. Fucking love to see it. I love. I love antiquity, and I like writing. I like antiquity because it's the. It's basically you look at a dog, and a dog cannot. A dog doesn't have abstract communication. Then you look at us, and that's all we do all day is we just abstractly communicate, and then we get some amount of money that is on a credit card and theoretically in a bank. Mm-hmm. And we just try to keep the number above zero. <laughs> right, right. Just like Mario points. Oh, no, we're running low on points. Better run. Run, run, run. No, it's like a dog. Like Okay, so like a dog, you go and you pet a dog, right? And the dog is always going to be the dog. And so I feel like that is like... A level of communication that humans ought to get on more. Like that pure form of communication. Like, hello, I like you. Let me pet your hair. Like, we don't need to talk about anything. I think there's there's been, I think Noam Chomsky did this uh, and a bunch of linguists were always searching for this kind of universal language. Mm-hmm. Esperanto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, uh, when I was a kid and I, and I heard about Esperanto, they're like, it's just a universal language. And then everybody could just learn it. I was like, that is so, that is so great. I'm going to learn Esperanto. And I kind of poked around and then I found out that nobody speaks Esperanto. No, no. Because I, I think more people speak Klingon than Esperanto. <laughs> right. I think that there may have been people who spoke Esperanto, like maybe in like the 60s. And they were all like very like, what's the word, like jet set types maybe. Or like people who are like intellectuals. And like, oh, I really need to study Esperanto so I can speak to everybody in the world. And well, then no one else learned and they're like, well, I guess fuck that. Because guess what? If if what you need in order to have a universal language is to have everybody in the world learn it, it's not going to happen. 
Well, it was it was also based partially on Slavic languages. Yeah. And then it was also based on like romance languages, so it was like sort of a mishmash of the two. Uh-huh. I think it was kind of a I think it was kind of an ugly language. Yeah. Because I think uh, when you start making up your own language, you kind of, whether you want to or not, I think you kind of get the propensity to make it sound foreign. Right. You want it to not sound like any other language. And so the noises that you pick out to make your words with are like caca. Yeah. Really hard consonants, weird vowel sounds, uh-huh. stuff like that. Right. Uh, so I was I was writing a joke the other day. Which should, I don't know, I don't think anybody cares, but that's an insight into my creative process. I was writing a joke the other day. <laughs> and because uh, I just got a seed of an idea, and the seed of my idea was thinking about how in Europe everybody speaks all these different languages. And, uh, I, and I was thinking, just going down the path, you know, writing, just evolving this idea of a joke... And, and just mentally walking down this path of, uh, you know, it would be so great if they would just all decide, if they would just pick one, and then you could you could go, you could just learn European, and then you could just go there. But I found out, number one, the most popular language in Europe is Russian, because Western Russia is in Europe, mm-hmm. part of Russia west of the Ural Mountains is in Europe. Something like 140 uh, people in Europe speak Russian. Yeah. You have the people in Russia and you have the diaspora. And then the second most popular language in Europe is English. So that kind of kind of ruined my whole. I I was kind of setting up. I thought I was onto something. No, it's just the facts don't support the joke. Right. So you can't. You just got to you just got to skip. Let it. it go. Yeah. You just got to let it go. Sometimes you start working on something and you're like, oh, this is going to be great. And then you get like 50% of the way and you're like, eh, this isn't it. Like sometimes I used to, I used to have to do math stuff. Like, you know, you're in school, you have to do math, you have to do all these problems. And sometimes you fuck up and you get all the way to the end and you solve the problem. But the solution is zero and the imaginary number. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm just, you know what, I'm just going to take the L on this one and move on <laughs> right and like sometimes when when i am trying to research for podcasts i'll pick a topic out and i'll get like 75 percent of the way there and i'll be like you know what this episode's gonna suck and i just gotta shit yeah. and start over again <laughs> not this one though this one's best so okay so the egyptians they had papyrus and they would make sales messages in wall posters and they would also have political campaign displays in Pompeii and ancient Arabia. And so this was like as far as far back as 4000 BC. Um, there were Indian rock art paintings that were like advertisements and people were just like, you needed to know what was, what was going on. As soon as you had m- more people in your community than you could keep track of. You had to have a way of knowing what guy was selling sandals. Yeah, and we talked about this, that one of the first written records we have of any written communication was a receipt for some grain. Right. It was a trade receipt for some grain. And so basically, and we also covered this before uh, in a previous episode, when people lived together in little communities and this was before people really had commerce and money and trade. What they would do is if somebody needed some food, you'd be like, oh, I have food here. Yeah. 
Or somebody would be like, oh man, my fucking, my loincloth ripped. You'd be like, bro, I've got some deer skin. Here you go. I'll make you a loincloth. Give me 12 berries because I need some berries to yeah, yeah. mush up and dye this other loincloth. <laughs> and then when things got so big, it was that you didn't know each other. So you didn't have a personal relationship with anybody. And so you had to start using money as a store of value and a, and a means of exchange an abstract means of exchange because there were like, you're dealing with people you don't know, and then there's trust issues that pop up. I feel like advertising is the same way. Like once you, once you take something and you abstract it beyond like giving something or taking something or trading something, just you agree, I'll give you this, you give me this, we're square. Once it gets past that, then you start trying to, trying to get more money. Mm-hmm. People now are in this arms race of artificially inflating this abstract value of everything they're trading to try to get more abstract value from everybody else. Right. Because whatever part of the brain that works on, you get more Mario points, right? You get your more Mario points, and at the end of the day, you have 18 berries for your loincloth instead of 12 berries. Right. Uh-huh. And so you got over, right? I feel like before that, you didn't need advertising because... There was no way for you to get over on somebody. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, you would just get you would just get what you needed, and there was no concept of like amassing amassing stuff. Maybe. Right. I feel like you don't. There's only so much you need, right? Well, sure. What do you need? What more do you need? I need like a few pairs of like extremely comfortable pants. I need about four hoodies. I need about two hundred and fifty t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good balance. <laughs> And I need about 28 pairs of underwear. Yeah. Oh, that's a perfect number. And four bras. Yeah. <laughs> so you can see like what things get washed more often. <laughs> that's all I need really. And then I need like enough for groceries and like to keep my house going. But I don't, I don't need like two houses. I don't need like eight cars. I don't need, like, a swimming pool. You know why I don't need a swimming pool? Because I'm never taking my hoodie off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that hoodie's going to get wet, man. Right, right. So the first advertising known was oral. And so people were going, hey! And it was recorded in the Classics of Poetry, which was between the 11th and 7th century BC. And it was some little ditty they would play on bamboo flutes to get people to buy candy in China. Yeah. It's like, toodly-doot, don't you want some candy? Toodly-doot, it's pretty, pretty good now. <laughs> doodly-doot. That's probably... <laughs> doot, 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 candy time. That's what it was. I made it up. I mean, <laughs> that's, that sounds exactly what, like what it would sound like yeah. for sure. Yum. <laughs> I feel like I'm there. You're in ancient China. <laughs> in the seventh century BC, yeah. walking down that street. Right. Now I'm hungry for candy. Yeah. It's nice to know they had candy back then. See, when, the more you learn about ancient civilizations, the more you realize that they really, the only things they didn't have that we have is like cell phones and computers and shit. Like they had candy, they had a little dress, they had a house, they had family they hung out with, they ate dinner, you know, and there's nothing different about them than us. They all want some candy at the end of the day. 
Yeah, yeah. The earliest ad was not an ad for vitamins, I'll tell you that much. Right, right. Earliest printed advertisement we have record of was a copper plate that they had used to print off multiple advertisements during the Song Dynasty. And it was a square piece of paper with a rabbit logo that said, Jinan Liu's Fine Needle Shop. And then it said, we buy high-quality steel rods and make fine-quality needles to be ready for use at home in no time. <laughs> and so that was the first printed advertisement that we have record of. And Come that, and buy needles. You need them to sew stuff. It's no, I'm loving it, or just <laughs> do it. But, you know, that was that was pretty clear cut here's what we do here's what we have and this is why you need it uh-huh. that's a pretty that's a pretty good one my two, name three. is gina and lou i make needles and you're gonna love them they're perfect because i i only get the nicest metal to make and my you needles know, with you know what it strikes me that the the flow of that ad is exactly the men's warehouse ad i don't remember the guy but he's like hello i'm kenny warehouse founder of men's warehouse you're gonna like my suits that I get that you have to buy because you have to go get a job. Yeah, you love to wear a suit. No, you don't. Here's a cheap one, though, because you don't want to spend your money on a nice one. (laughs) Are you ready for the first song and dance to a potential employer to show them what kind of bullshit you'll put up with? (laughs) Buy my suit. I got this monkey suit for you to wear to work. It's exactly what the fucking handbook says you should wear to work. And you know what he says? He says, I guarantee it. And here's the bitch of the whole advertising game. is all We all know the men's warehouse mm-hmm. deal. We all know that the guy is like, I'm honest, Jim. I'm Jim Warehouse. Right. <laughs> and nobody knows Gene and Lou's fine quality steel rods to be ready in no time. Nobody knows that. It's because it was like 9,000 years ago or something. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's real. That's real. That's a Guinness is the first printed ad. Yeah. That's a real record. We're talking about Gene and Lou right now. I bet you he didn't think that we were going to be. Yeah. No. No. I hopefully that I hopefully that's good for his energy, man. Right. And we're just keeping him trapped on this mortal coil by talking about him. Oh yeah. Oh right. Uh you don't die until the last person man what if by making the first printed ad he accidentally kept himself trapped forever on this plane like until Uh (laughs) until the last computer record of his needle ad dies out man that's why i use a fake name when i'm at work (laughs) well You should have thought about that one. You know, and it's just, this is what capitalism does because you can be a good person and you can have a a rich social life and you can have a rich inner life and you can seek peace and happiness and contentment and goodwill amongst amongst people, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are remembered at all, like by history in general, it'll probably be for something that doesn't represent who you really were inside. Like just you got trapped on this plane because you made needles. And I I mean, there's no telling if his needles were good. He may have just been overcompensating. He may have been like, man, this other guy's needles sell themselves. I need to, I need to convince people. I need a piece of paper with a rabbit on it. That's the thing. That something that'll never get me is the hard sell. 
I'm just way too oppositional. Mm -hmm. I'm way too anti-authority. Like when people start the hard sell, oh, you cannot, you cannot do that. Here's the thing is people get trapped. When people come to the door, people are like, I get trapped. I get trapped talking to them. They won't take no for an answer. Well, you're driving the car, buster. Right. If you open the door and it's somebody trying to sell you something, what you can do is you can just nod your head and put your hand up, and then you can close the door. You don't owe them anything. They're coming to your house to take your money. (laughs) You don't have... Don't yell at people. Don't be rude to them. But if they come to the door and they just start trying to sell you something, you can wave at them, and you can nod your head. You're acknowledging them, and you're saying, I I see you. I know what you're doing. I understand it, but I'm going to go now. Mm-hmm. And you just close the door. You don't have to say if anything. If I wanted to go to shopping, I'd be at Easton right now, bitch. <laughs> but I'm home. I'm home, chilling the fuck out. Fuck along. I will admit, my great shame is that when salesmen come to the door, I am I, I am probably a little bit too nice. I'm a little, like, too dyed-in-the-wool Columbus, Ohio, like, nice style. And so when people come to my door, I feel like I should at least let them finish what they're going to say. <laughs> and then that ends up getting me into pickle because they're like, well, you listen to most of my spiel. And so what I have to do is be like, oh, I don't know if I can commit to this right now. I have to ask my husband. He's not home right now. So I play like I, I play like I'm controlled by my husband when I'm not, but it gets me out, out, out of the conversation faster. <laughs> That's my secret shame. This is the confessional. This episode, I will, I, will, I will pretend to be subjugated to get the guy off my porch. Like oh, my husband's not here right now. He makes those choices for me. No. <laughs> and you're always upstairs or something. You're never not home. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am always home. <laughs> he doesn't know that, though. I, it's just, this is where my work is. This is mm-hmm. where my job is. This is where all my stuff is that I like. This is where my two best friends are. Yeah. Don't ask if it's weird that I'm friends with a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> she always whoops your ass at magic cards. She mops the yeah. floor with you. Yeah, she does. I, <laughs> it's kind of fucked, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, listening. you get beat. <laughs> like, oh, he's totally getting whooped by a 12-year-old girl. Look at that. <laughs> I mean, if, if an adolescent could not beat me in in some sort of magical game of cards, then I would I would wonder what they were doing. Like this, you, you have a better mind for this. You can surely do this better than me. Right. You know, my thing with the magic cards, I have like... Y'all have been doing magic cards, like, for, like, the last few weeks, right? I find it supremely insulting to myself that for the last year and a half, I have been trying to get Nona interested in me teaching her tarot cards, which are arguably the real magic cards. (laughs) And she was totally uninterested. She didn't want any part of it. But when it came down to fucking orcs or whatever the fuck, and, like planeswalkers i just hear you guys say planeswalker like over and over i don't know anything about this shit she's like all over it like i was trying to teach you real magic bitch and you want to do this imaginary shit but you can (laughs) i even tried to make it exotic sounding i tried to make it real exotic when she was like what are you doing over here on this weirdo altar shit i'd be i would be very mysterious and i'd be like i can't tell you about it until you start your period (laughs) 
<laughs> I tried to make it like real, like exotic, so she would be like, yeah, and she would be, I would be able to like hook her and rein her in and be like, now yeah. we're both witches, baby, we're gonna start a coven. No, she was like, no, I want to play magic cards with my dad, like a nerd. I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna start a coven by myself then, I guess. Um, <laughs> your tarot, your tarot cards don't attack each other. I think that's just, I think that's it. <laughs> that's just, and you never. They're either right side up or upside down. You never go sideways with them. And that's the main thing. Magic cards, you turn them sideways. I can turn my, my, my card sideways. Do a uh, Celtic cross spread. Yeah. Those are, some of those are sideways. Well, I think maybe call Nona when you get a little, when you get a little uh, rogues bag of pirate coins and then you put plus one on your tarot Those cards. were literally my pirate coins <laughs> that you guys took <laughs> that I was using. <laughs> For piracy. <laughs> no. It's for tarot cards. I was using these on the high seas. <laughs> I ordered them from Amazon. Finest fake pirate coins you could find. Anyway, I'm offended. I, I was trying to teach her real magic cards, and she's like, no, I want to I play this nerd shit. Like, all right, fine. We'll see. We'll see. When you're, like, in 10 years, when you're still, when you're like, well, I, I got all these magic cards, and I don't have, like, any magic powers. I'm not psychic. I'll be like, well, I'll try to tell you. <laughs> I'm psychic, though. I'm, I'm sure she'll get a hair up her ass at some point and do what you did and learn about it right. like, pretty quickly. Right. She's pretty sharp. Right. I wish I would have. I wish I, I think it bothers me because I wish that I would have started when I was her age. But yeah. when I was her age, like, I was still, like, a little bit into, like, not into, but I was a little bit trapped in the whole entire Catholicism thing, and they tried to make all that kind of shit sound very evil. And then as soon as I got into high school, just because I was goth, like, and I lived in a very small town, like, everyone always, all over town, would talk about me behind my back and say I was a Satan worshiper and shit. And so I just, I never got into that stuff when I was, because I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to prove him right. It, yeah, it, you felt like it was too on the nose. Yeah. I, I don't like being too... I, I like just like being... to cure, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> can't be too on the nose with that stuff. Right, either. right, right. But here I am trying to establish like a like a tradition with my child. And she's like, nah. Okay. You gotta let you gotta let her come to it. Yeah, it's gonna be her idea. I tried to hook her with that period thing, like you can't learn about it until you're really a woman. Yeah. I didn't take the bait. I failed somehow. So, anyway, sound off in the Discord if you would like to be my replacement daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Europe, in the Middle Ages, people would be like, "I'm a cobbler. I'm a miller. I'm a tailor. I'm a blacksmith," and they would have little signs that had like a boot, a suit, a hat, a clock, whatever. Right? Oh yeah. Because you know people didn't read that well back then. Right. Yeah. So, so it was a little bit like handmade tale. <laughs> Or just like a picture of a chicken. That's where you go to get the chickens, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, most stuff was sold in a city square in the back of a cart or a wagon. Like they would have like the little market and like the orange. Actually, there was no orange man back then. They didn't have oranges back then. Uh, the the celery man <laughs> with his cart full of celeries. <laughs> that sounds like something that would grow, yeah. The parsnip man. Just get a sweet treat of one celery. <laughs> I need a, two parsnips, sir. Right? And he would have a picture of parsnip. And that's, that's how you knew that's where you were going, right? Uh-huh. Just a real thin triangle. <laughs> right, right. They didn't have perspective yet, so it was a, it was a symbolic parsnip. Right. It was just like... 
little turd, little, little guy. <laughs> and in the 18th century, advertisements started coming about in the paper. And they were usually to promote books and other newspapers. Um, because people back then, like, they didn't really have access to a lot of that stuff. And so, like, having, suddenly having, like, printing and having stuff printed was, like, a big deal. People were like, I want to look at all the different printed stuff. Oh, and I think having an advertisement for a book in a book, I mean, that would have worked well. Yeah. Because you finish the book and you're like, fuck, where can I get more of these? You turn to the very last page and they're like, want more books? And you're like, yeah. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) I read all the way through this one. I thought it was going to last me forever. (laughs) Around the same time, people started having false advertising, quack advertisements, and then that ushered in the regulation of advertising content. So, the modern advertisement. Who is the father of modern advertising? I I don't know. He's a guy named Thomas J. Barrett, who's from London, England, and he did the advertisements for Pears Soap. I have seen the Victorian-era advertisements for Pears Soap. Don't yeah. we have a framed advertisement of, pear, of Pears Soap somewhere? Where it's like a old guy, and then it was like ripped, and it had like a little baby face underneath it. Was that for Pears Soap? That was for uh, uh, medicinal bitters. But if I if I if we weren't in the middle of something right now, I'd go find it and show you. <laughs> We've got some Pears Soap ads around. We have that stuff everywhere just because I collect that stuff and scan it. Right, right. Scan it and can it. Scan it and can it? Oh, that's so good. I got, I tried to get, someone tried to cancel me once because I was showing how I take old damaged books. I don't take like archival copies of books. I take like old water stained books and I cut them apart and I scan them and I use them to make comics and stuff out of. Then I throw the the books away because they're all moldy and water stained. And they were garbage when you got them. And they were in poor condition when I got them. I never pay more than five bucks for an old fucked up book. Right. And uh, someone once tried to cancel me and they were like, you need to, you should give this to a poor child. No poor child (laughs) wants a fucking 1800s compilation of every issue of Collier's from 1886. No child wants that. I (laughs) can't. I can guarantee you nobody wants like a a disgusting silverfished copy of like Scribner's Monthly. Right. Wait, what's the other one we always get? Uh, Harper's. Harper's. There was another one. Got a bunch of Scientific Americans. Got a bunch of Young Americans. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Isn't there one that starts with a J or something? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, okay. So, Thomas J. Barrett. He became the brand manager in 1865. He was the first brand manager in the world. And he is in the Guinness Book of World Records for being the first brand manager. Um, his One of his slogans was, Good morning, have you used pear soap? <laughs> the completely unrefined, <laughs> like... It's just, if you came up with a slogan, Mm -hmm. like something that it was physically possible to repeat. Corey Grella, very swallowed. Yeah. I No, we're so far. Oh, yeah. We're in the hyper future writing. (laughs) Thomas Barrett fucking wishes he could fucking write a slogan like this, bitch. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. He would have done anything for just one of your slogans. Right, right. Slinging slogs. That's my my bag. 
so he introduced many of the main ideas that people use in advertising currently. He stressed the importance of strong and exclusive brand image. So you had established a look, my man, right? He understood the importance of reevaluating the marketing for changing tastes. So like you have your ads and then you're like, oh, it looks like the kids like their soap to be a square instead. Yeah. We need to put square yeah. soaps in this ad. Yeah. Be makes, hip, be makes, hip, be hip, be hip, be hip, be hip, be hip. It, make, it makes sense, but he was the first one to do it. Right, huh? right. Um, he stated in 1907 that tastes change and fashions change and the advertiser has to change with them. An idea that was effective a generation ago would fall flat, stale, and unprofitable if presented to the public today. Not that the idea of today is always better than the older idea, but it is different and it hits the present taste. And so he's like, you must keep your finger on the pulse of what people are up to and make sure that your advertising reflects that. You must you have keep... to be au courant because no one wants to buy their grandma's soap. Yeah, that's why we get like uh, in and out Burger tweeting all in lowercase and they're like, who hungry TN? <laughs> Just all this bullshit. They killed Mr. Peanut. Just all that stuff. I hate that I know about it. I try. I put ad block on everything and I, you still learn about these things. Right. It's awful. Just trying to keep the dark side of the world at bay and it pushes itself in. You know what? You know what? One, is, one of the things that drove me from Twitter, and I really hope, I really hope one of these fuckers, fuckers is listening to this podcast right now so they know. One of the things that drove me from Twitter is when I would say something, and it was very barely tangentially referencing some kind of like pop cultural product or whatever. And then they would fucking reply to me. I was talking to a, a acquaintance of mine on Twitter one time about eating French fries and dipping them in your frosty. And fucking Wendy's showed up. And I was like, get the fuck out of here, Wendy's. I'm not fucking talking to you. I'm not friends with you. I am not friends with you. My conversation I'm having with someone who also you do not know this person either. It has fucking nothing to do with you. You are a publicly traded company and you are intruding on my private conversation. We're not friends, bitch. You are intruding on my conversation I'm having with my friend and you're doing it for profit for yourself. You need to pay me if you're going to show up in my fucking tweets talking about Wendy's. Wendy. (laughs) I told you about this when we started this podcast. You need to fucking pay me, Wendy. Or you need to get the fuck out of my face. Right? I, I, I'm I like, no, get out of here. I've had that happen to me a handful of times, and it's, it's so gross to me. Blech. Blech. Whoever, if you are hiring people to do that on Twitter, fucking stop, because I love Wendy's, and it made me not want Wendy's. It made me think that Wendy's was annoying. It's bad shit. It's bad shit. And when the fucking brands start talking to each other like they're friends with each other, fucking get out of here. Y'all ain't people. Y'all ain't people. I mean, it just... the. I feel like if a... Here's, here's the thing, too, is I understand the mechanical need for advertising. A car company is selling cars, so the car has to say... The company has to say, hey, we have our new model out. It's in better colors. The rims are darker, it's faster, it's more hybrid, and the air conditioning has been improved. Like, that is meaningful to me. I'm not going to buy a car, but it's, it's like, hey, we got this thing, we're doing this, it seems meaningful. 
But if Ford tweets and they're like, who up right now? It's like, fuck you. Get the fuck out of my face. Like this. <laughs> the thing where the companies are pretending I can't, I cannot deal with how devious it is. Right. I cannot deal with the duplicity of pretending they're my friend. Right. Disingenuous. Absolutely. To Just the core. be a company and post a little picture of whatever you're selling and you're like new tacos at Taco Bell. People who like that stuff will just go and buy it. It totally right. works. But if you put, I mean, I'm sure there are people who like it. You know, it would be a lot easier than trying to make your chicken finger restaurant a person is if you fucking put that effort into making your shit not suck. Yeah, well. <laughs> How about you just, maybe why don't you, instead of fucking tweeting at me when I say Frosty, why don't you fucking go make a better Frosty? And then I'll be like, man, Wendy's got some good Frosties now. You don't need to have that fucking person fucking boasting about it. It's just, it I'm seems just... to me, it seems to me like the companies make a game of pushing into your personal okay. life. To the point where you buy a TV and you don't even have the TV plugged into anything and the TV will show you ads. That is inhuman. Mm -hmm. It is really taking my life and treating me like I am less important than showing advertising. And it almost seems like it's completely decoupled from anybody ever buying anything there's this idea that branding and brand awareness is is somehow worth something. I guess maybe it is in the aggregate, but I I can't for the life of me imagine that I would that as aware as I am of McDonald's, I would ever want to eat it. Right. It just doesn't appeal to me. I like I said, I I know I mentioned it before. I want I want McDonald's like once a year. I'm like once a year out. Not even once a year. Once every couple of years. Like, I'll be like, I want a McGriddle. I think the last time I went to McDonald's was when we were driving back from Canada. And I was like, I'm yeah. going to get a quarter pounder. And then that, that was the last time I had one. That was like two or three years ago. And you're like, oh, there it is. Exactly. And it's always exactly the same as it was last time. And it's always like, mm, that's all right. And then I'm like, oh, my God, my guts. This is like not made out of real food. This is obviously fucking touched by something unholy. And Burn. now it's, I have to process it through my body and see what happens. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a super meal, but I think they're just trying to supersize me. <laughs> so in 1836, there was a French newspaper called La Presse, and they had the horrible idea of including paid advertising in its paper in order to lower its price. So oh. people, so they would subs they partially subsidize the cost of their paper with the advertising. Mm -hmm. and, then, and that's where we are now. Mm -hmm. They are the ones who invented that. Thanks, French people. <laughs> the French people, all they functionally saw was that newspapers cost less, which was, which was great. You can get your newspaper for less. And if you want something to read every day, back then it was the newspaper, right? Right, right. It's the publisher. The publisher doing the double dipping. And you know that price went back up. Mm-hmm. That's just like what they did with cable. Mm-hmm. When they started coming out with cable, they're like, we're just, what you do is instead of getting the free TV and then you have to watch the ads all the time, you can just pay for the TV 
and then it'll come into your house and you can and we won't have to put ads on it and everybody was like cool and they signed up for it and there were ads on it anyway and people were like hey there's ads on here anyway well guess i'll keep watching it <laughs> i remember when there weren't ads and then they were like sneak them in they would have a ad here and there in between the shows Oh, yeah. And then they would sneak, start sneaking him in. They, I remember then they started sneaking him in. and was like, ah, you fuckers. They'll always do it. They'll keep pushing. They'll keep pushing. You know, uh, it used to be shows were like, uh, I feel shows were like 22, 23 minutes long. And I started noticing recently some shows are uh, 18 minutes long. It's hardly any. That's like nothing. That's so short. <laughs> An, eight, an 18 minute show running a half hour block means you have 12 minutes of advertising. Right, right. It's almost not show very much. Right. I refuse to watch advertising. I will absolutely refuse. I will never watch your ad. And if I am forced to watch an ad, I will mute it and I'll do the thing where I look into mid space and kind of screw up my eyes so I can't see anything. I will like make my eyes go out of focus. I'm not even going to look at it. I'm going to make my eyes non-functional rather than look at your fucking advertisement. But you know what? You have the right to your own brain. Right. Do you have advertising jingles in your brain? Yeah. yeah. Do you have the most recent annoying one, Liberty Mutual? If I just say that, you hear you hear the ad because it's on YouTube. You know what the one I have in my head all the time is? And this is bad because I know this was implanted in my head when I was probably like four. Is the fucking phone number to Best Western. Oh, wow. I can tell you it's yeah. this day. Yeah, don't. It, they didn't pay us. No, they didn't. But I even, like, we were getting ready for this episode, and I just looked it up in case, just in case to make sure I still remembered it. I was right. I still have it memorized. It's been, like, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. If you don't actively keep the ads out of your face, the ads install themselves in your brain. Ask me if I've ever stayed at a Best Western. No. It's useless. It was a waste of your money. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I'm never going to stay in a Best Western. Yeah, you know why? Because I'm a fucking princess. And they stored it, <laughs> and they stored it in your brain, and it's taking up your brain space. You mm -hmm. could use that for something else. Right. I mean, maybe. I guess we don't totally know how the brain works. It could be the reason why brains have seemingly unlimited capacity. When you look at scholars, or you look at people who take in vast amounts of information, it's could be that we're just radios. I, that's what my belief is. I believe that some what you were doing with your brain is you were training your brain and you were making your brain more functional as a receiver, right? And all of the information in the world is like a mass that is shared by everybody, right? And so all of that information, you familiarize yourself with the signal by reading the book, right? Mm-hmm. You familiarize yourself with the signal and then you and you get your brain tuned up to the to the point where you can just pick it all up, man. You can just like pull it in. Well, and so the thing is, so it's possible that you could view something that's essentially the same as what somebody else viewed. Mm-hmm. The most efficient way to store that information is to store essentially one copy of it. In the cloud. In the cloud. And then when you think about something, something triggers you and you think about Best Western, then y your brain does free association and you get the number and you get the commercial. 
back. It right. plays back to you. Mm -hmm. You can hear it or you perceive it. You can imagine it in your mind's eye, right? Right. Or your mind's ear, whatever. Right. And this is the same way that data compression works. If you have a zip file and I type, I like to fart 10 times in a text file, the zip file will be will go through and scan the file and say, okay, this contains this block of text 10 times. So they write it one time and then they say this time's 10. Uh -huh. And that's why a zip file is so much smaller. I'm sure there's other ways they can compress it too, but that's the gist of it. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about the amount of information in a world, there's no reason for everyone in the world to have all of these common experiences separately coded. Yeah, it's not efficient. It's not efficient. And if you think of matter as physical information storage, which it is in a certain manner of speaking, then it's easy to see that you would, you would, if you have enough consciousness in the world and they're all independent and they're not all pulling from the same source, then you would run out of storage space, right? right? And I think we've evolved past the brain as computer model. And I think we're gonna move into a new era where consciousness, not matter, is seen as fundamental, and we're clearly pulling from the cloud. Right, right. And that's why, that is why, even if you are an island, you are not, you are living out in the forest somewhere. You don't see people very often. You don't interact with people. You don't live in a, in a metropolitan area where you have hands-on experiences with all kinds of different people. That is why it's still important that you work on yourself and you look inward and you work on yourself and you find all of the things about yourself that are like not positive or not productive or they aren't serving you, right? And you improve yourself and you improve your mind and you learn as much as you can. You absorb as much as you can about the world and you have as positive an outlook as you, as you can about the world because then when you go, when you leave this plane, then your consciousness, it raises the vibrations of everybody because now what you accumulated is being shared by everybody and you are putting good stuff out there for everybody. And hey, it can't hurt you to be positive right. more often, man. Right, right. It's about like everybody is a part of the same ball of Play-Doh and it's all about like when you return your little bit of Play-Doh back to the ball, you want it to be the nicest shade of green that it can be. You don't want it to be brown with a bunch of caca doo doo crap that you picked up everywhere and add that and then everyone's Play-Doh looks like shit. No, you want to add your shit back to the mass, to the global consciousness and have your stuff you return in a better condition than when you got it when you were young and you were imperfect and you didn't understand how to interact with people you didn't understand how to love people right you didn't understand how to treat people you, that is what you came here with and you need to come out the other end an example and then you add your fucking fresh play-doh to the ball and everyone and suddenly it just looks better than it did before that's that's fantastic that's what we should all do that's why i don't understand old people who are who are pieces of shit? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You have, what have you been doing for the last? <laughs> <few years? laughs> you just you you just been taken. You've been taken in the bad vibes and internalizing them, man. I feel like every year of my life, I uh, I'm I'm more empathetic and and you know doing the work to actively try to be kind to people uh, makes you a better person. Makes right. it easier. 
right. to be good and to relate to people. Right. So and just, when you see people who are acting hatefully, even you have to you have to try to look at things from their perspective. Maybe they are acting hatefully not because they are a hateful person, but because they are afraid. Maybe they are acting as a like a hateful person because they are scared. Maybe they are acting like a hateful person because they've had loss that you don't understand. There are so many reasons that people can act like that. At at the end of the day, you know, you can you can say all kinds of nasty things about somebody who's too dumb to get the shot, but you know, maybe they're just afraid of needles, man. Maybe if we make a way, if we figure out a way for people to not be afraid of needles, you don't have to go through the whole list of all the mean stuff that you could think of to say to a man. You just you work on the needle thing, they get the shot, and it's all good, man. We can go back to hanging out in the mosh pit. Right. And maybe maybe they're here to learn a lesson about they should have got the shot. Maybe that's the lesson they're supposed to learn right now, and you just need to stand back and let them learn it. You know, if a lot of people learn that lesson, then that's going to be... We're going to get everybody. a lot of that information up in the global cloud. And then a hundred thousand years from now, people are still gonna be like, I don't know, man. Something just told me to get a shot. <laughs> well, you know, when it comes to protecting yourself and your family, Natalie. Yes. There's one person I can think of who's pretty swella. Oh, Cory Bella. She would never dirty her Play-Doh blob with everybody else's hate and fear and sadness. She her minty green, minty green Play-Doh. Mint, just uh, fresh, just pastel. Uh-huh. Pastel. Perfect. Shiny. Pliable. What could you make with that? Anything. It is like pure potential. God's perfect potential. She is God and I'm God and you are God. And yes! <laughs> if you were to think of one place in the world that God could call his home or one place in the world where God might look inside and say, I want a place that looks like that. I want a place that looks like God. Right. Harlem Township actually is God also because the entirety of everything is God perceiving itself. And so Harlem Township is also God. Yeah. Can't beat it. God was like, what if I was the perfect township in Delaware County? I need to find out what that would be like. Yeah. And just unassuming right in the middle of Ohio on that old glacial tilt plain, you would never, you would never think, you know, looking at uh, the French Riviera, the Sahara Desert, the outback in Australia, you would never think that the most beautiful and the most perfect place in the whole of the universe would be right here, central Ohio, but it is. Thank you, Harlem Township. And Corey, and Corey Grella right. for sponsoring us. Right. If, you, if you're interested in filling the gaping void in our podcast, you should head on over to Patreon and check out our extremely excellent offer of sponsorship. That's patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. You can sponsor us or you can join our Discord and our gaming crew for a measly five bucks. Where else could you get shout outs on America's favorite podcast eight times a month for $99? That's a fucking crazy deal for advertising. We didn't even get into how much it costs to advertise. We're the cheapest deal in town. We're the cheapest place to advertise, hands because down. Because we don't need to accumulate. We're not here to accumulate wealth. We're here to pay our mortgage and eat a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, you got 37,000 people out there listening, so it's worth your bucks. Right. Hey, thanks again. We're going to talk to you again very soon. I love you. Good night. Good night.